0: Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the government faces a confidence vote in the final week of Parliament before the Christmas break.
1: Because it's a spending vote on approving money, it automatically becomes a, a vote of confidence, so uh, the government has to survive that test and, hey, to stay alive, and it's pretty clear it will.
0: Jugmeet Singh says the bloc won't push the government the way the NDP will. Just trying to assume that you could say the right words without any real commitments and somehow assume that we're going to follow through. No. And Jason Kenney visits Ottawa looking for billions of dollars in fiscal stabilization. If Ottawa and the rest of the country wants to continue to benefit from Alberta as the goose that's laid the golden egg in modern Canadian economic history, then Ottawa needs to unleash us uh, to be able to develop our resources, get to global markets, get a fair price from them and not tie us down with an endless uh, number of new laws and regulations that inhibit our responsible resource sector. It's Monday, December 9th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Peter Van Dusen, CPAC's executive producer and the host of Primetime Politics. Good morning, Peter morning mike so we are into the final week of this session of parliament which of course just began last thursday so it's a very short session before the christmas break this this little mini session of parliament between the election and christmas and then they'll go away they'll come back the end of january but there is some important business to do this week isn't there
1: yeah there's important business i think of, of you know a lot of this was important for the government to And it was responding to calls as well from uh, the opposition parties after the election to come back as quickly as possible. It's symbolic in some ways, but they want to try and get a little bit of business done and showing they're coming back before the Christmas break instead of waiting eight or nine weeks from the election to the end of January. So, you know, the first test they'll have uh, will be a vote of confidence tonight in uh, in what's called a supply bill. So that's a vote to uh, provide money to the government. Uh, additional funding of about $5 billion to pay for um, various government programs. And so because it's a spending uh, vote, a uh, vote on approving money, it automatically becomes a, a vote of confidence. So uh, the government has to survive that test tonight uh, to, to stay alive, and it's pretty clear it will. The Bloc Québécois has already said it's prepared to support the government on the speech from the throne, and it won't get a vote on that probably until January. Um, so this will be the, the first chance for the government to show that it, it can carry on. And uh, there's not much doubt it will uh, by getting this supply bill passed through the House of Commons tonight.
0: So how would you describe the dynamics around this session? Because there is, of course, uh, a, new, uh, a new sort of state of order in the House of Commons with a minority parliament. Uh, and there are the questions hanging over the head of the leader of the Conservative Party about his future, Andrew Scheer. Uh, and uh, what do you expect from this week in terms of how some of these different new storylines are going to play out?
1: yeah, I'm not sure what we'll see. I, I I think in you know it's early days, everybody knows what the mathematics are in the House of Commons, and everybody will know how to uh, how to behave in terms of their support for the government on sometimes individual legislation. So the government's got different dance partners it can pick from here. And immediately after the speech from the throne, uh, we saw, Uh, The Bloc Québécois say that, you know, uh, speech from the throne wasn't much, pretty vague, but there was enough in there to satisfy the people of Quebec that the Bloc wouldn't vote against it. That immediately allowed an emboldened NDP and Jagmeet Singh to... Uh, say he's not happy with uh, the speech from the throne. He won't categorically say he can't. He won't vote for it. He's saying right now he can't support it, and wants meetings with the prime minister to try and uh, put some more oomph behind the promises on Pharmacare and care, and wants the government to uh, d- to be very specific and and commit to dropping the the legal action, uh, you know, against a, a human rights tribunal order that uh, the government should pay, uh, you know, victims of the. Of the child welfare system, so, and yet Andrew Scheer come in and say he's not satisfied with it. So, I've, I mean, we've seen this movie before in some ways, Mark. When we were in the minority government years of of the Harper government, um, you know, where you know parties say one thing, and you know, you can. Uh, beat your chest a bit when it comes time to, uh, you know, speak in general terms about opposing a government. And then when the rubber hits the road at vote time, everybody's looking around at the other parties to see who's prepared to say they're on side with, with a piece of legislation or with a with a government proposal, who's prepared to say they're going to support the government so that one of the other opposition parties can say they don't. I don't know how many times we saw the Liberals under Michael Ignatchev tell the government they were on probation, you're on probation, you're on probation. Whenever there was an important confidence vote, uh, a whole lot of Liberals weren't around, weren't in the House for the vote. So, I think, I think it's early days to try and figure out what the dynamic's going to be, I think in the short term, uh, because of Andrew Scheer's leadership problems, because uh, the Bloc is very happy with its performance in the election. It's not in any rush to go back to the polls. The NDP has some money issues. I think it's going to take a a little while to see exactly how uh, these parties feel each other out. But I wouldn't expect uh, any sort of, you know, trip to the precipice on any of this until we get to a a federal budget, which will be the big first test of the government, because we'll get an idea of exactly what it is they plan to put money behind to satisfy some of the concerns of the opposition parties, and that won't happen until February or March.
0: We're already seeing Jagmeet Singh, the leader of the NDP, positioning himself vis-a-vis the Bloc Québécois and the fact that the Bloc appears uh, to be uh, very happy to support this government in its early days and saying, saying that, uh, that this is sort of evidence that the Bloc is, um, is in cahoots with the government. Those are my words, not his, of course. But uh, there's, there is that kind of posturing that's going on. Uh, but, but as you say, it's not like the NDP necessarily wants an election now either.
1: No, I think that's true. Um, you know, I think you're going to see the NDP position uh, probably, you know, fluctuate a little bit from from issue to issue. But to give uh, Jagmeet Singh credit, uh, he's been consistent on a couple of these key priorities since right, you know, during the election and right after the election. Uh, but but we, we, you know, we we have not been seen him put in a position yet to apply that, and we may uh, be when it comes time to talk about the speech from the throne but it's not really so much the position you take as an opposition leader it's the consequences of the position and right now he can he can say whatever he wants about the speech from the throne he can say that the government's you know uh certainly at this point uh not not meeting his his demands on a national pharmacare program not making it universal not making it single-payer not uh you know um, we don't know ultimately with the federal government will propose as a pharmacare uh, program because uh, as a number of ministers told me after the speech from the throne and we've heard from them since that you know we have to negotiate with the provinces so we have to see exactly what we end up with but Jagmeet Singh can take a very tough stand on these issues because you know the, the consequence is the government doesn't fall because the Bloc Québécois will support him but he's going to continue to make this argument that You know, yes, okay, the the Bloc might be progressive, the New Democrats are progressive, but we're going to be progressive as New Democrats for all Canadians, and we're going to push the government on some of these big issues that we think are good for Canada, whereas the Bloc is going to push the government uh, on issues that are good for the province of Quebec only. So he'll continue to make that case.
0: Something else to watch for today and tomorrow in Ottawa is that Jason Kenney, the Premier of Alberta, will be here. Uh, What do you expect from that and uh, his meeting with the Prime Minister tomorrow? Uh, There has, of course, been a lot said about uh, various federal-provincial issues and uh, and the fact that uh, there is a growing separatist movement in Western Canada. So what kind of uh, tone and what kind of message do you expect from that uh, meeting?
1: Uh, Well, first of all, I expect any time that he gathers with federal officials, there won't be much room in the room. He's bringing eight cabinet ministers with him and a big delegation from Alberta. So it's more like Team Kenny coming to Ottawa uh, to do this full court press starting today on federal officials. What he's really after uh, is follow through and action on this case, he's, you know, he started out a few months ago. Mark, as you know, um, making a case for renegotiating equalization, saying it was unfair. To Alberta, Alberta put in more than it gets out, um, and that uh, you know Alberta is being maligned as an energy producer by the province of Quebec, which gets lots of equalization, and Alberta is being penalized. So, and then then the conversation switched uh, to Jason Kenny demanding changes to the fiscal st- stabilization program, which helps. Um, provinces that don't receive equalization when there's been a downturn in their ac- economic fortunes. And when the premiers met last week, they were unanimous in agreeing that that's a good idea, that the government should look at, at uh, you know, topping up uh, fiscal stabilization for those provinces that need it. So he's now come to a number. It was $1.7 billion, I think, initially. Now it's almost $2.5 billion in retroactive pay as well that he. F- feels the federal government owes the province of Alberta. So he's coming to Ottawa to make that case. And, uh, I, you know, it, it seems to me that at, at least the the, the the tone and the timing of the conversation he'll have with Justin Trudeau on Tuesday is a little, little better than, than it seems uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, the two, the federal government and the province of Alberta have now agreed on uh, a carbon pricing uh, number of $30 per ton for big emitters in the province of Alberta as part of Alberta's uh, climate plan and the and the feds have accepted that number so that at least is a is a reasonable uh, opt, yeah reasonably optimistic start to the conversation but I'm not sure whether he can expect to come away from meetings with the federal government uh, with that much money on fiscal stabilization being promised to him. He might get something, and that may take time, and that may have to wait for a budget. So um, we'll see. We'll see whether it it continues to be uh, this what what has been a very negative conversation between Justin Trudeau and Jason Kenney, whether there's some... Uh, sawing of the relationship there, and, and he's got some. He's got some backing. I mean, if you look at, we've seen some recent surveys that show, you know, most Canadians, the majority of Canadians, are, are more concerned about uh, Alberta separation than they are about Quebec separation. So uh, he, he at least will have, you know, uh, as part of his argument that he's not the only one that think there's a, thinks there's a unity problem in the country, and that he thinks the prime minister needs to do something about it.
0: All right, it'll be interesting to watch. One final week before we break for Christmas, and uh, still lots to get done, and there'll be question period, of course, throughout the week, Uh, so there may be some uh, interesting developments there as well, and uh, we'll be showing it all on CPAC. Peter, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Always good to talk to you, Mark. Take care.
0: That's CPAC's Peter Van Dusen. We know
1: there is much more to do to listen to people's concerns and work with them on uh, reassuring them that this place works hard for them. Now, here's what political
0: columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Toronto Star, Tiffany Gooch argues, Canada's success in the next decade depends on working together. Gooch writes, There are complex and pressing issues in communities across our country and our planet that will require big thinking to overcome. If our government is truly to help Canadians thrive, there is too much work ahead to waste time with status quo thinking. We can open the next decade looking for zingers and ways to trip up our political foes, or we can collaborate in the pursuit of solutions. At globalnews.ca, Matthew Fisher argues, Despite actions by China over the last year, the federal government appears hell-bent on its China-first policy. Fisher writes, Despite the detentions of Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor, and the trade sanctions China has slapped on our agricultural imports, prominent Canadians with close business ties to China continue to rally Canadian business leaders to cash in on the bonanza over there. The detentions might be a catalyst for Canada to provide the kind of global leadership that it has long imagined for itself, but there is fat chance of there being such an initiative until the situation between the West and China gets much worse. At The Conversation... Adam Chapnick and Christopher Kakucha argue minority governments can influence foreign policy. They write, Minority parliaments often present incentives for governments to consult with the House of Commons more than they might when they hold a majority. A minority creates a political environment that discourages Cabinet from acting boldly. We should be prepared for an even more risk-averse and conservative foreign policy than the one we already have. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. As we've discussed, the House of Commons is sitting this week before rising for the Christmas break. Martin Stringer has more on the legislative agenda for the next few
2: days. Mark, today MPs in Parliament will get down to their second full day of debate on the speech from the throne. On Friday, Andrew Scheer and the Conservatives, as per Parliamentary tradition, tabled an amendment to the speech. Now their amendment was sweeping. It was asking that the speech acknowledge threats to Canada's productivity and competitiveness, the rising cost of living, the lack of tax relief for Canadians, regional disparities, and even calling for scrapping of the carbon tax. The Conservatives will be voting against the throne speech, and their amendment will probably be defeated. The Bloc Québécois tabled, as is the custom, a sub-amendment, and theirs is more modest, calling on the federal government simply not to trample on provincial jurisdictions. The Bloc will be supporting the government's throne speech. So for all of today, the debate will continue on the speech. Tonight, parliamentarians will sit down as a committee of the whole to debate some essential business before Christmas recess, the passing of supplementary estimates, so the government can continue to spend into the, into the new year. Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday are scheduled as the third, fourth, and fifth days of debate on the throne speech. The speech must be debated for a total of six days, although they don't have to be consecutive days. Parliament will adjourn until the last week of January. Uh, The government House Leader, Pablo Rodriguez, pointed out the obvious on the weekend that there won't be time to bring the throne speech to a vote until Parliament comes back.
0: Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will attend question period... And then a candle lighting ceremony this evening in celebration of Hanukkah. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, December 9th. Tune into primetime politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.